Chapter 7 Inspection Planning and Visual Inspection Tools Inspection Planning Before starting the actual inspection, the requirements of the inspection must be determined. A systematic inspection plan saves time and ensures that the inspection is complete and appropriate for the material being evaluated. As part of the planning process, the following questions should be considered. What standards, codes, or specifications apply? This includes the requirements for the materials, processing, and inspection procedures, and personnel qualification, as well as calibration, quality, uh, calibration and quality system requirements. What requirements exist for the record keeping do, uh, to document that all requirements of the standards, codes, and specifications are met? Should records be generated in a specific format or do pre-printed forms exist? Is graphical documentation, sketches, photographs, or videotape recommended or required? How is traceability maintained? Most items requiring the inspection includes most items requiring inspection include paperwork to identify it and its manufacturing and service life. The procedure to verify the identification of the records and the physical item should be established. What knowledge and skills are required of the inspector? Do inspection personnel have adequate knowledge of materials and manufacturing processes including commonly produced discontinuities? Do they fully understand the applicable portions of standards, codes, and specifications? Do they know how to use the required tools? Do they understand the record keeping requirements? Are, they, are the physical stresses to which the object will be subjected during its service life known? This is very valuable information, but it is often unavailable to the inspector. What special tools or techniques are required to perform the required inspections? What alternatives or are acceptable if the preferred or recommended equipment is unavailable? Is the lighting appropriate for the intended inspections? How much control is available over the lighting? Is portable lighting required? Are specialized lighting techniques required? Is access to the areas to be inspected adequate? Must scaffolds be erected or ladders be used? Assure appropriate personnel, or excuse me, assure appropriate personal protection equipment is available and used when performing the inspections. This is a basic list for inspection planning and could be revised depending on the circumstances of the inspection. Visual inspection tools. Visual inspection is accomplished using mirrors, weld inspection tools, comparison standards, magnification, dimensional measurements, optical dimensional inspection techniques, boroscopes, etching, profilometers, and hardness testing. Mirrors. Mirrors are one of the most common inspection aids because they allow for inspection inside pipes and holes and inside or behind many other objects. In addition, they are extremely easy to use. The following points should be considered when mirrors are used during inspection. The illumination of the area being inspected should be the same as that specified for the rest of the inspection. Flashlights or other small portable light sources can be used to provide adequate illumination. However, the strong direct lighting provided by these local lights, by these local light sources, tend to cause harsh shadows and can cause reflected glare. The inspection distance is equal to the distance from the area being inspected to the mirror, plus the distance from the mirror to the inspector's eye. When using a mirror, the inspection angle is something other than normal to the surface being inspected. These factors can cause indications to be interpreted as smaller than they are. Measuring the size of the indication at the reflection in the mirror is only appropriate when pinpoint accuracy is not important or when the mirror is close to the surface being inspected. 
A set of pliable wires of known diameters is invaluable when determining the size of indications in difficult to reach areas. Most industrial environments are hard on the mirror's glass surface. A badly scratched mirror is a hindrance during the inspection. Disposable mirrors or mirrors with replaceable heads should be used. The two most commonly used mirrors are dental mirrors and inspection mirrors. Dental mirrors, mirrors usually have a 152 millimeter or six inch long handle with a round head held at a 45 degree angle. The diameter of the mirror can range from about three to 25 millimeters, 0.1 to one inch. Inspection mirrors frequently have telescoping handles that can almost double the handle length. Most have a double ball joint between the mirror and handle that allows the mirror to be placed at any convenient angle. Mirrors are round or rectangular and vary in size from 20 to 102 millimeters, 0.8 to 4 inches. Weld inspection tools. Fabrication weld inspection is a highly specialized field that requires an in-depth knowledge of welding metallurgy, the welding process, welding symbols, and the requirements of the applicable welding code. Visual weld inspection for surface discontinuities and inspections to determine proper weld joint configuration are performed using artificial light sources, mirrors, magnifiers, rules, and specialized weld gauges. These inspections should be performed under the supervision of a certified experienced inspector qualified in NDT and or welding. A light source is often required to resolve a 0.75 millimeter line, 0.03 inches, on an 18 percent gray card as required by some codes. This is not an acceptable amount of light for inspection because this line can be detected by the unaided eye when there is less than one to one times lux or 0.1 foot candle of light at a distance of about 610 millimeters 24 inches. A minimum of 50 lux 5 foot candles is recommended for weld inspection. It is required by some codes. Weld, asse weld assessment may involve color determination of the weld and the heat affected zone. When the color is important, the light source should approximate the color temperature of sunlight, about 6,000 degrees Kelvin. Many different specialized weld gauges are used to check the physical characteristics of welds. Some of these gauges, are their, some of these gauges and their uses are described in the following paragraphs. The fillet gauge is used to check the leg lengths and the size of convex and concave welds. These are very simple go-no-go -no -go gauges. The weld gauge is used to measure leg lengths, the size of convex and concave fillet welds, and the amount of reinforcement and root openings of butt joints. These instruments can be used as go-no-go -no -go gauges, or they can be used to provide a quantitative answer for any of the measurements except the root opening size. High-low gauges are available in two basic configurations. One primarily measures weld joint root opening and mismatch misalignment during fit up. This gauge is accompanied by a piggyback pit gauge that determines outside diameter, mismatch, and depth of pits and undercut. The other gauge makes the above measurements and it can also measurement the other gauge makes the above measurements and it can also measure fillet weld link leg links and butt weld reinforcement and butt weld reinforcement. It also has a go-no-go -no -go gauge for weld joint bevel angle preparation. Another multifunction gauge is the Cambridge gauge. It is used to determine weld joint bevel angle preparation, joint mismatch, fillet, fillet weld leg length, and throat. 
Butt weld reinforcement, material thickness, and depth of undercut. Depth of undercut. Comparison standards. Comparison standards are physical standards that provide a representation of the desired features of an object. Comparison standards include go-no-go ga go, no, go gauges, transfer gauges, and screw-and-pitch gauges. They also include visual comparison standards like those used to assess surface roughness. Comparison gauges provide for simple, inexpensive inspection techniques, but the results are reported as attribute data. Dimensional comparison standards include any device that is used to transfer and compare a measurement including plug gauges, feeler gauges, and pins. It is important to calibrate all adjustable transfer gauges against standards of known accuracy on a periodic basis or before performing an inspection. Pins, feeler gauges, and specialized go-no-go -no -go gauges are commonly used to check or set spacing and to measure clearance or hole diameters. Specialized check balls are used with contour inspection fixtures as a quick go-no-go -go inspection of fabrications, formings, castings, and composite structures. Surface roughness standards are an inexpensive way to check the surface texture produced by a specific process. They are generally, generally available as scales with vertical, horizontal, circular, or isotropic lays to simulate processes such as milling, turning, grinding, or casting. Each scale represents a pattern or process and includes a range of roughness. Ranges from 0.1 to 12.5 micrometers, 4 to 500 microinches, are commonly available depending on the process. Surface roughness is determined by a visual comparison or by scratching the test piece and standard with a fingernail. Screw threads on nuts, bolts, studs, tapped holes, and threaded pipe ends are inspected for a variety of characteristics including thread per inch, pitch, major and minor dimensions, lead, thread angle, and form. The number of threads per inch is determined by counting the number of threads per inch against the steel rule or using a screw pitch gauge. The only way to determine the threads per inch on an internal thread is with a thread pitch gauge. The thread ring, thread ring gauges and thread plug gauges are simple go-no-go -no -go gauges used to check internal and external threads. Thread gauges are normally used in pairs where one gauge is the go gauge and the other is the no-go gauge. The legend on the gauge describes the major dimensions in pitch. A ring gauge is used to check the male threads found on a bolt or stud. The plug gauge set is used to check internal threads. Magnification. Devices for magnification used in visual and optical inspections range in magnifying power from one and a half times to well over 2,000 times. Magnifiers are described by their magnification, field of view, working distance, eye relief, and depth of field. Most of these factors are interrelated. While the ideal magnifier would have large field of view, a large depth of field, and an image with no spherical or chromatic aberrations, in practice, all magnifiers present a compromise. Generally, using a little magnification, using as little magnification as possible will cause the fewest technical problems and provide the most simple inspection. The magnifying ability of a lens depends on the amount of curvature in the converging lens. Greater curvature produces a greater angle of refraction, which redu reduces the depth, uh, excuse me, reduces the focal length, thereby increasing the amount of magnification. 
The power of a magnifier describes the amount of enlargement compared to the viewing object, 255, 254 millimeters, or 10 inches, from the eye. An object, 25 millimeters, or 1 inch from the eye, would appear to be 10 times larger as the same object viewed at <clears throat> 254 millimeters, 10 inches. The magnifier that produces enough refraction to allow the eye to focus at this distance has 10 times magnification, 10 power, and a focal length of 25 millimeters, one inch. The amount of magnification for a simple lens is determined by the formula M equals 250 over F, where F is the focal length in millimeters and M is magnification. The working distance of the magnifier is the same as the focal length. The distance from the magnifier to the object being inspected produces good focus. Close working distances accompany higher magnification. When choosing the magnification and working with distance, excuse me, when choosing the magnification and working distance, the amount of room needed to perform the inspection and the tools to be used should be considered. The depth of field is the maximum range of distances that are in focus at the same time without a changing without a change in viewing position. The field of view decreases as the magnification increases. A large depth of field eliminates the need for constant adjustments to the viewing position to maintain focus. Single lens magnifiers provide one and a half times and 10 times magnification. They may be handheld, mounted on flexible or rigid stands, or mounted with a headband to allow free hands during viewing. In low cost magnifiers, the distortion caused by highly refracting lenses is controlled by decreasing the diameter of the lens. This reduces the field of view. For magnification above seven times to 10 times, it is common for magnifiers to use more than one lens to provide increased magnification while limiting the spherical and chromatic aberrations produced by highly refractive lenses. Magnifiers with two or three lenses, as illustrated in Figure 7-1, are referred to as doublets or triplets. Coddington magnif magnifiers have a thick groove cut into the outer diameter of a thick lens to eliminate spherical aberrations. Measuring magnifiers or comparators are one, two, or three lens magnifiers with between six times and 20 times magnification. They use a scale with graduations etched into a piece of transparent material. These devices, known as contact reticules, are held just off the test object by the body of the magnifier. Contact reticules are available in a variety of scales and measuring systems, including linear measurement, angular measurement, grid patterns, and thread gauges. A loop is a single or double lens magnifier where the lenses are held at the recommended working distance with a transparent cylinder. The clear spacing cylinder allows the use of ambient light to illuminate the test piece. Illuminating loops have a battery-powered light source for illumination. Loops frequently include provisions to include a contact reticule. Jewelers loops are generally used. Jewelers loops generally use the cylinder to maintain the eye relief instead of the working distance. They are inserted into the eye socket and held in place with the facial muscles around the eye and attached to the frame or attached to the frame of an eyeglass. At magnifications above 10 times, low power microscopes are more convenient than simple magnifiers. Low power microscopes for shop or other stationary use include a large variety of devices ranging in complexity from simple to wide field stereoscopic microscopes. They use lensing systems that increase in complexity with the amount of magnification. At low, medium levels of magnification, a single lensing system can be used. At higher levels, compound lenses with two sets of lenses are common. 
Many include prisms in the lensing system, which allows the eyepiece to be tilted back toward the inspector. These stationary microscopes include sturdy frames, focusing mechanisms, and a base with provisions to securely hold the test piece. Some also include illumination sources. Field, pocket, pin, or measuring microscopes are all terms used to describe small handheld magnifiers that have more complex lenses arrangements than simple magnifiers and magnifying powers between 10 times and 50 times. These are very powerful for field inspections but are difficult to use due to limited stability, small depths of field, rudimentary focus, rudimentary focusing systems, narrow fields of view, and the need for fairly high light intensities to illuminate the test piece. Laboratory microscopes normally range in power from 100 times to 2,000 times and over. They commonly use compound lensing systems with two or more separate sets of lenses. It is becoming more common for these microscopes to include provisions for a still, still or video camera. The use of a video camera allows the image to be viewed on a monitor and provides an excellent means of documentation. Adapters are available to adapt conventional microscopes for use with a video camera or a 35mm camera. Most laboratory microscopes were developed for medical use and rely on the transmission of light through the object for image formation. These limits, this limits their use to translucent objects where there is sufficient gradient in the amount of transmitted light. Microscopes designed, designed to provide images of opaque objects have provisions for vertical illumination of the test piece. Metallographs are a common example of this type of microscope. It is common that the metallograph light source provide for the use of filters that, are, that alter the spectrum or provide polarization to reduce glare. Metallographs include provisions for the photograph documentation using either 35mm or instant cameras. Common metallographic techniques include dark field illumination, polarized light, phase contrast, and differential interference. These techniques are increasingly being applied to the analysis of microstructures of many non-metallic and composite materials. Dimensional measurement. Linear measurements describe length, height, thickness, or any other dimension that can be described as a distance between two points, a point and a line, a point and a plane, etc. These are the simplest of measures and the requirements for communicating tolerances, performing the inspection, assessing variation, and reporting the results are relatively straightforward. Resolution is the smallest scale division and instrument's output of an instrument's output. It determines the minimum amount of variation to which the measuring instrument will be sensitive. Accuracy is the condition of conforming to a known standard. The accuracy of a measuring instrument measures the extent to which the average of several measurements agrees with the true value. Generally, measuring instruments should have an accuracy of one quarter of the tolerance of the characteristic being measured. An, an accuracy ratio of 10 to 1 is preferred. The most common and most violated relationship between resolution and accuracy is that the accuracy is twice the resolution. For dial and digital display instruments, it is common to assume that this relationship applies. For veneer scales, the resolution is often regarded as one half of the smallest scale division and the accuracy is considered to be the same as the scale divisions. The two most common errors made in performing measurements are due to wear on the measuring surface and parallax er error. All direct contact measuring instruments are subject to wear on the measuring surface. 
These surfaces should be periodically inspected for flatness and should be replaced or refinished as necessary. Parallax error is due to the apparent displacement of an object due to a change in the inspection angle from a position normal to the object being inspected. Parallax error is apparent when trying to align two linear surfaces or surfaces or surface intersections when the observation point is at an angle. It becomes very noticeable when using a rule or trying to interpolate a linear scale. Rules, tape measures. The most common measuring tool is the rule or tape measure. Rules commonly come in the following units of measure. U.S. fractional, where inches are divided into common fractions, quarter, eighth, sixteenth, etc. U.S. decimal fractions, where inches are divided into decimal fractions, one-tenth or one-one-hundredth, and SI, or metric system measurements, where, division are all, where divisions are always decimal fractions of a centimeter or a millimeter. The maximum resolution is usually 1 64th of an inch, 0 0.01 inch, and 0 0.05 millimeters, respectively. For optimal results, rules and tape measures should not be used from the end of the scale. By using the first major measurement from the end, the mark is more easily aligned with the majority of the surface being used as the origination point and the effects of a worn rule or a variation in the surface of the test piece are minimized. Rules are often used with dividers or calipers when an object cannot be accurately measured directly. These are frequently used to assess inner and outer diameter of round objects. Calipers and mechanical gauges. When greater accuracy of linear measurements is required than that provided by a rule, the most commonly used measurement devices are direct measuring calipers and mechanical gauges. These devices are frequently used to measure length, thickness, inside diameter, and outside diameter. Calipers are commonly found with measuring ranges of 102 to 610 millimeters, 4 to 24 inches, and they normally have a resolution of about 0.013 millimeters or 0.0005 inches. Calipers report the measurement by the use of a linear scale, a dial, or an electronic digital readout. Digital readout instruments are becoming the most common type of caliper due to the low cost and ease of use. Virtually all electronic measuring devices have optional outports for automated data collection and statistical process control. Mechanical gauges come in several basic varieties, OD, ID, and depth measuring mechanical gauges. While different in appearance, all mechanical gauges use the movement of a threaded spindle to measure the displacement of the measuring surface. The threaded spindle limits the range of measurements of a specific mechanical gauge to a maximum of about 50 millimeters or 2 inches, with a 25 millimeter, 1 inch range being more common. To provide for a wide range of measurement, mechanical gauges are normally used in sets. With OD mechanical gauges, the frame size varies allowing mechanical gauges to be commonly available up to 305 millimeters, 12 inches. This measurement range of internal depth mechanical gauges is extended by the use of spindles of varying lengths between the barrel and measuring surface. Surface plate inspection. When it is necessary to assess characteristics in terms of their relationship to a point, line, or plane, it is frequently necessary to use surface plate inspection methods. The surface plate Usually a precision ground steel or granite table provides a geometrically flat, geometrically flat surface to use as the primary reference surface. Surface plates range in size from 
102 by 102 millimeters, 4 by 4 inches, up to 1219 by 3658 millimeters, or 48 inches by 144 inches. Surface plates come in varying grades that describe how flat and true the surface is. A high grade flat a high grade surface plate is typically flat to within three thousandths of a millimeter or 0 0.07 inch across its major axis. Localized variations are considerably smaller. Surface plate inspections all revolve around all revolve around manipulating and securing the test piece so that all measurements are made in the vertical axis. When it is necessary to establish a different or additional reference plane than that provided by the surface plate, it is done by the use of angle blocks, V-blocks, sign plates, and screw jacks. Specialized holding fixtures can be constructed for complex objects to simplify inspection. Height gauges are virtually always used with surface plates. The height gauge is similar to a vernier caliper with a rigid foot attached to the holding to hold the measuring arm perpendicular to a surface plate. Height gauges are used height gauges use the same measurement displays as calipers, vernier scales, dial indicators, and mechanical or electronic digital readouts, and they have about the same instrument resolution. The most sophisticated gauges, height gauges, are capable of limited measurements in two axes. Dial indicators. Indicators are often used with height gauges or specialized fixtures when it is desirable to scan the surface being inspected. By setting an indicator to read zero at normal condition, the variation of the surface can be seen easily as a deflection on a dial indicator as either the indicator or the test piece is moved. Dial indicators are available in horizontal and plunger models. They come in a staggering variety of measurement ranges and resolutions. There are a multitude of accessories available on which to mount and use the indicator. The accuracy of surface plate inspection can be difficult to quantify. The accuracy is a combination of the inherent accuracy of all parts used in the inspection and the skill of the inspector. Using commonly available instruments, an accuracy of 0.05 millimeters or 0.002 inches is reasonable. Greater accuracy can be achieved with the use of specialized equipment and a highly skilled inspector. Optical dimensional inspection techniques. Optical techniques are advantageous when measuring profiles and other characteristics that require an assessment in two axes at the same time. These devices can be optical flats, optical comparators, toolmakers microscopes, and autocollimators. Optical flats. An optical flat is a simple, highly polished, transparent disc normally made from optical glass or fused quartz. The optical flat is used to inspect the flatness of an extremely flat surface. Gauge block sets often include an optical flat to inspect measuring surface for uneven wear. An optical flat produces interfering patterns of light that depend on the difference in the location of the two reflecting surfaces formed by the bottom side of the flat and the test piece surface. The greater the distance the greater the difference between the, these two surfaces, the greater the number of interference bands and the closer the spacing of the bands. To produce sharply defined interference bands, a monochromatic light source should be used. Optical comparators. Optical comparators or optical projectors project an enlarged shadow of the test piece onto a translucent glass screen. 
Overlays are placed on the viewing screen to provide linear, angular, or profile measurement. Because comparators work by projecting an enlarged profile of the test piece feature as a shadow, the alignment of the feature to be inspected is critical. The profile being inspected must be exactly perpendicular to the light source, and any misalignment will, be, will produce an enlarged shadow and geometric distortion. Poor alignment is frequently visible as fuzzy edge or double image. The test piece is held on a work surface that allows for precision movement in two axes. On a modern optical comparator, the table motion in the X and Y axis is displayed on a digital readout. They are frequently connected to computers for automated or semi-automated inspections of reasonably simple components. Resolution of up to 0.0005 millimeters or 0.00002 inches is obtainable with corresponding accuracy depending on the magnification level. Magnification levels of 10 times, 20 times, and 50 times are common. Toolmakers microscopes are similar in intent and function to optical comparators but have higher magnification and are used for the inspection of very small components. Auto collimators. An auto collimator consists of an alignment telescope, a collimator, and a series of slits and lenses used to produce a parallel or partially polarized light beam. They are frequently used to check flatness, straightness, or alignment of relatively large surfaces such as large machine tool slides and aircraft airframe components. An alignment telescope is used with a sighting target to determine if the area of interest is displaced in the horizontal or vertical axis from the telescope's line of sight. A beam of parallel light is projected from the collimator and reflected off the target. If the tar target is perpendicular to the light beam from the collimator, the image will be exactly aligned with the eyepiece, in the eyepiece. Any change from the perpendicular will displace the reflected image. Both the angle from normal and the displacement from the normal plane can be calculated when the distance to the surface being inspected is known. Boroscopes. The boroscope is the most common remote visual inspection device used. These devices were developed for the medical field to allow physicians to see inside a living body without performing surgery. The medical, com the medical community commonly refers to these devices as endoscopes. The name boroscope comes from the adaptation of these medical devices to inspect the inside diameter of large caliber weapon barrels. Today, boroscopes are commonly used in industrial environments where it is necessary to inspect areas that would otherwise require disassembly or dismantling. They are also used in areas that are dangerous to the inspector. Boroscopes are frequently used to inspect gas turbines, airframe structures, nuclear reactors, pipelines, and the internal parts of automotive engines. Specialized boroscopes are used in corrosive or explosive environments. Boroscopes can be divided into rigid boroscopes and fiber optic boroscopes. Each type has several specialized applications that rely on different operating mechanisms. Rigid boroscopes use either a classical optical lens system or a single solid fiber to transmit the image the length of the tube. The design of rigid boroscopes is similar to that of a telescope. A series of converging lenses is enclosed in a tube. The image is formed at the tip of the boroscope by, using a, uh, by use of a lens, mirror, or prism. The image is refracted one lens to the next until it is focused on an image plane for, the viewing, for viewing by a human eye or camera. 
If there is an odd number of refracting lenses, the image appears as reverted or inverted, upside down and backwards. Rigid boroscopes are reasonably priced and come in a variety of types and diameters. Because they are rigid, they are fragile and cannot be used to see around corners. Bending will cause uh, bending the case will destroy the functionality of the instrument. Fiber optic boroscopes consist of thousands of small optical glass or quartz fibers that are assembled into a bundle. The fibers are coated to create a large difference in the refractive indices between the fiber and its surface, producing total internal reflection. The signal is continuously reflected off the inside surface of the fiber for the entire length with no loss of brightness. To properly transmit an image, the fiber bundle must be coherent. Each fiber must be in the same location with respect to all the other fibers at, the, each, of end, at, the, at each end of the bundle. With either type of boroscope, the image is initially formed at the tip of the boroscope using an objective lens, possibly in conjunction with a mirror or prism. A simple forward-facing lens produces a direct viewing boroscope. Mirrors and prisms are used to create forward oblique, right angle, and retrospective types. These types of boroscopes describe the direction of the field of view, known as view, DOV. The DOV measures the difference in the field of view from straight ahead. The field of view describes the angle of vision that can be observed through the boroscope. The field of view is always centered on the DOV. The field of view varies between 10 and 120 degrees, with 50 to 60 degrees being the most common. The magnification of an object by a boroscope is determined by the field of view and the distance from the object to the objective lens of the boroscope. The smaller the field of view, the greater the potential for magnification. The image will be magnified as the object gets closer. The depth of field, the range of distances that are in focus at the same time, is determined directly by the aperture and indirectly by the field of view. A narrow field of view gives a large depth of field. A wide-angle boroscope has a shallow depth of field. Obtaining proper results from a boroscope inspection requires the careful selection of equipment, disciplined and documented scanning procedures, and properly trained personnel. An improperly performed or inappropriate inspection method will prevent a rejectable condition from being identified. Etching. Etching is the removal of surface material by chemi chemical means. This process is commonly used with metallic substances. Etching removes layers of surface contamination to clean, the, clean or prepare parts for visual or penetrant examination or to prepare a test specimen for metallography. Etchants react with and remove surface material due to oxidation reduction reactions between constituents of the alloy and the etchant. Preferential etching, whether desirable or not, is caused when different areas of the structure have different chemical constituents and therefore different potential levels. This causes the formation of anodes and cathodes and associated electron flow and ion formation and transfer. Etching solutions consist of acids, bases, or salts mixed with water or alcohol. The exact comp concentration of and composition of the etchants depends on the alloy being etched and the purpose of the operation. After etching is completed, all etching agents must be neutralized on the part surface to prevent corrosion. When etching, is, when etching in preparation for visual inspection, the etch must remove any contamination and smeared material that can interfere with the inspection or hide significant indications. 
Most etching operations produce a shiny, more reflective surface to emphasize metal grain. This may be a hindrance or an asset during inspection. Metallographic etching is used to reveal the microstructure of the test piece when viewed under a metallograph or metallurgical microscope. The area to be examined must be carefully polished prior to etch. Frequently, the edges of the specimen are of primary importance and the test piece is a set of an epoxy mount, excuse me. Frequently, the edges of the specimen are of primary importance and the test piece and the test piece is set in an epoxy mount to prevent smearing and mutilation. Etching is performed on the polished surface to produce a 10% or greater difference in the reflectivity of different parts of the grain structure when viewed under the metallograph. For selection of the proper etching solution, a textbook on metal metallography should be consulted. Etching and polishing should be performed under the direction of an experienced metallographer. The names of the etching solutions refer to the composition of the etching agent, the material on which the etchant is used, or the originator of the etchant. Profilometers. Profilometers are used to measure surface roughness or texture. The most common profilometers use a stylus and operate on the same principle as an old phonograph. Stylus instruments include a stylus, a transducer, and a skid that together form the pickup. Additionally, there is a traverse unit, a data processing chip, and a display or recording apparatus. This type of profilometer is compact. It is handheld. It is a handheld device and has a digital display as well as an output port for computer analysis. Contact is maintained between the test piece and the pickup by the stylus, a carefully shaped diamond on the end of the armature. The geometry of the stylus significantly impacts test results. The manufacturer will recommend a model with an appropriate stylus for the roughness characteristic of the material being tested. The stylus should be checked regularly for wear and damage and the instrument should be frequently calibrated against a known standard. Transducers can be an induction type, piezoelectric, a moving coil, or a small laser interferometer. Most portable instruments use an induction transducer to convert the stylus position into an electrical signal. It has an advantage of high linearity, good resolution, and small size. Laser, interfer interfer in laser interferometric transducers offer a large measuring range, but they are more expensive and physically larger. Pickups can be skidless or they can use a skid. The skid type pickup is supported by the skid on the workpiece, allowing the pickup to follow the contour of the test piece. Handheld devices are of the skid variety. They are prepared, they are preferred for most applications. A small data processing chip in the profilometer analyzes the electrical signal and provides data output to a digital display to a and to a computer or chart recorder when appropriate. Surface texture measurements is prone surface texture measurement is prone to error due to operator variability and difficulty in repeating measurements due to small contact area. Vibrations of the test piece or measuring device are another source of error that can be minimized by the use of a skid type instrument and by proper support of the test piece and instrument. The test piece must be suitably cleaned and all traces of oil, dirt, machine chips, and any other adhere substances must be removed. 
Magnetic test pieces will have a severe impact on devices with induction pickups. For many processes, it is necessary to take the average of several measurements or to perform measurements in different directions. Hardness testing. While hardness testing is not considered to be a visual inspection, visual inspectors frequently perform these tests when they have the necessary training and skill required to conduct hardness tests. Hardness is defined as a material's resistance to penetration. It is not a fundamental property of a material, but it is related to its elastic and plastic properties. Hardness testing of steel alloys is common. It is closely correlated to tensile and yield strength. The most common standards for hardness testing of metallics are ASTM E10, Brunel hardness of, meta of metallic materials, ASTM E18, Rockwell hardness and Rockwell superficial hardness of metallic materials, and ASTM E92, Vickers hardness of metallic materials. Indentation hardness testing is performed by forcing an indenter into the material by using applied force. The methods of hardness testing vary in shape and composition of the hardness tester and the amount and nature of the force and the means for measuring the size or depth of the impression. Brunel hardness testing. Brunel hardness testing is the oldest and most commonly used hardness test. It was developed by John Brunel in 1900. The indenter is a hardened steel ball. Both the diameter of the ball and the amount of duration of the load are specified. The hardness is determined by measuring the, the diameter of the indentation using a measuring microscope and converting the diameter to a hardness value using a reference chart. The most common combination is a 3000 kilogram load with a 10 millimeter ball. Brunel test Brunel testing machines apply the load using hydraulic pressure, weights and levers, or by impact using a hammer and, or spring. It is normally performed only on relatively large parts in areas where the surface indentations will not affect its future usefulness. Laboratory or shop Brunel test machines use, usually use a hydraulic pressure or weights and levers to apply the load. To minimize variations in the test method, they usually include anvils to hold the test, plate, test piece in sturdy, rigid frames. Specialized machines may be fully automated. Portable Brunel testing equipment ranges in size from very small and portable to very marginally portable. They usually cause increased operator variability. They are less productive to use. An inexpensive type of portable Brunel tester is the hammer type. A blow administered by the hammer is transmitted to the indenter by a shear pin that breaks after the rated load has been transmitted. The load may also be applied to the shear pin using a clamp and a screw arrangement. Brunel microscopes are small handheld measuring microscopes. They have between 20 times and 40 times magn magnification. Some have provisions for a light source. Harder materials require greater magnification and scales with greater resolution. Rockwell hardness testing. Rockwell testing is used almost as much as Brunel testing. The Rockwell test is performed by forcing the indenter into the test piece using a minor load and then measuring the increase in the depth when the, when the major load is applied. The indenters may be balls or diamond shaped. Rockwell test is more accurate than Brunel test over a greater range of hardnesses and it leaves a smaller impression on the test piece. Rockwell testing equipment is slightly more complicated and due to the smaller indentation, it is not suitable for very rough surfaces. Shop Rockwell hardness testers have interchangeable indenters, load weights, 
and anvils to hold the test piece. There is an elevating screw to move the anvil and test piece into proper position inside the frame in relation to the indenter. These bench machines usually have massive frames and they are capable of testing up to 150 parts per hour. There are several types of portable Rockwell testing equipment available with varying accuracy and ease of use. Most of these devices are highly operator dependent. Micro hardness testing. Micro hardness testing is performed on very thin parts where other techniques would not be accurate and on precision parts where the larger indentation produced by other methods would destroy the finish of the part. Because of the small loads and the small impressions made, a surface finish of RA 1.6 micrometers or RA 63 micro inches is better or required or better is required. Micro hardness testing is commonly performed in accordance with ASTM E384, standards, standard test method for micro hardness of material. Mohs hardness scale. The hardness of metals and non-metals may be informally quantified using the Mohs hardness scale. In this method, the material is rated for hardness based on the softest material that will leave a scratch. The softest material, talc, is rated at 1. The hardest material, a diamond, is rated at 10. There are many other methods of assessing hardness not discussed here, including the assessment of a surface hardness and micro hardness using eddy current and ultrasonic methods. Tensile testing. Tensile testing is performed to obtain information about the ductility, tensile strength, proportional limit, modulus of elasticity, elastic limit, resilience, yield strength, and breaking strength of materials. Tensile tests are performed to standardized requirements. To standardized requirements. Tensile testing is performed using a universal testing machine. This machine includes provisions for applying strain in a controlled manner, a device to measure and record the applied load, and an extensiometer or extensiometer, a gauge that measures the strain and the strain and deformation of the test piece.